This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. All right, guys, we made it. We made it to the end of 2023, and this is our episode where we do our year in review. And so if you're sad about the year ending, don't worry. 2024 might be just as bad or just as good, depending upon your disposition. But we like to kind of go through our year and kind of give you guys an idea of like, okay, what's some of the stuff that you forgot? What's some of the stuff that are highlights, basically, in terms of the world, in terms of this country, in terms of myself? So we're going to get into all that today. But guys, before we get out of here, make sure that you leave a review and share the show around. Again, guys, ask all the time. Hey, how can we you know, help you out? And then they've never shared our show with anybody. They never shared an individual episode with anybody. And that would be my suggestion to you today. Don't just share the show because it can be overwhelming. I've had people come to the show recently that are like, oh crap, he's got over 500 episodes. Like, where do I start? I've even had people say like, hey, can you give me just, you know, five episodes to start with? And it's like, Man, okay, yeah, if you have 500 kids, pick your five favorites, so it's very difficult to do, but if there is a show that speaks to you, that has really helped you, share that show with dudes in your life. Also, right at the very end of the year, I'm sure you've been getting hit up for with emails, with the end of year giving, year in giving, that type of stuff. We are a donation-based ministry. I've mentioned this before. I mentioned this on shows last week. So the overwhelming majority of how uh, we get funds and how we're able to pay for the things that we need to pay for and to get this content into the ears and eyeballs of people all all over the world is because we have donors. And so if you are looking for a place to spend your end-of-year giving dollars, keep Undaunted Life in your head and then make action with it. Go with it. Give us some of that money. Give us some of that coin. We could really, really use it as we go into 2024 and try to do the stuff that we're trying to do. We're looking to expand a lot of our offerings, but we can't do it without you guys. So there is a donation link in our show notes. You guys can check that out. And as you know, all the time I mentioned Origin, Jocko Fuel, Primal Beef. We support all those brands. So guys, if you want the best geese and jeans and boots and all that and hunting gear in the world, go to Origin. Use our promo code Undaunted. If you want Jocko Fuel, if you want the energy drinks and the supplements and the creatine and all that, you can use our promo code Undaunted with them as well. And with Primal Beef, if you want literally the best meat to be shipped directly to your door so you don't have to go to the store and, you know, buy some dairy cow that's been, you know, butchered and thrown into cellophane, use our promo code Kyle there and you'll get some uh, some coin off on that as well. And then if the money you save there, maybe you can put that in your donation. But let's go ahead and go into the wrap up for the year. Now, one thing that I want to do is I want to give you my 2023 highlights. And so here are just as I look back through my year, as I look back through my calendar, here are just some things that were highlights for me. So back in January, we we launched the forging table. And so for those of you that have listened to the show for any length of time, that's our episode that we release every Sunday. It's me and three other guys, all laymen, non-professional Christians. And we are basically going an hour at a time, a chapter at a time through books of the Bible. That was an idea that I had last year. I guess it would be, you know, roughly 15, 16 months ago now so that I could personally get into the Bible more. And you guys have really, really loved that. But that launched in January. So that's a major highlight. Then in February, I got to spend some time with Jordan Peterson. And so I, I talked about that on an earlier episode, but he and I met up in Tulsa after his show, got to spend some time with him, got to give him a, a gift. I gave him an ESV verse-by-verse reference Bible with his name on it. And so that was obviously an incredible, incredible thing. We hope to do some more things with him in 2024. My Yonmi Park interview, which as uh, you've heard with my best books of the year and best podcasts of the year, that was obviously a very, very impactful interview for me. So that was in February. In March of this year, I spoke at Lewisburg prison up in Pennsylvania. And so that day that I was there, about three dozen men came to faith in Christ uh, after some of the the speeches, I guess, or the speeches or sermons, whatever you want to call them. So that was certainly a highlight. Um, 
my son, my second son that we just call Squish, he turned one in March of this year, so that was really cool. Also in March of this year, Shelby the Stoic, who if you go all the way back to my Foxhole podcast, I can't remember uh, when that was. That was years and years ago. So one of my best friends, Shelby the Stoic, he had his bachelor party out in Polidero Canyon area down there by Amarillo, so that was really fun. Also in March and December of this year, I got to hang out with the crew from Skillet. So John, Corey, Seth, and Jen, just uh, salt of the earth people, love those guys, love every chance I get to hang out with them. And then in April, I had my verse, my first vocal cord surgery. And yes, I, I said my first vocal cord surgery. Y'all know where this is going, but collapsed vocal cord, uh, you know, just really thought, hey, we, we finally got an idea of what's happening and what we're going to do. But then fast forward to May, I had to have a second surgery because the first surgery was not successful. So four weeks after the first surgery, I, I couldn't talk above like this, like this is as loud as I could talk. No one can understand me. And it was really, really bad. And the surgeon was not happy. He was shocked at how bad my voice sounded. And, you know, in between the first and second surgery, you know, April, May, that time period, you know, we're sitting there thinking that my career as a podcaster and a speaker is over. <laughs> we're trying to figure out, like, what does that look like? So those are highlights or lowlights, whatever uh, way that you want to look at it. But also in April of this year, going back to April, James, our eldest son, got into the private school that we wanted him to get into. And so we got him into the, the three-year-old program because this is a school that's very sought after. A lot of families want to get in. It's really hard for families to get all their kids in. And so we were kind of on the front end of that, you know, being able to get him into a pre-K program, like a pre-pre-K uh, program so that he can, you know, grow in that school. And then also little brother Squish could uh, come behind him here in, in a couple of a couple of years. And then also James turned three in May. So that was a big highlight for us. In June of this year, I started my voice coaching. So vocal coaching. So basically I, I got with a former opera singer who, or a retired opera singer or whatever, who's also speech language pathologist. That's kind of got me on the pathway to where we're at now. And that's probably a good time for me. The last several weeks, I know I've been clearing my throat a lot. I've been... <clears throat> you know, doing that kind of stuff. I've been coughing and I don't edit that stuff out of the show. And it may be annoying to you, but it's like, I just want to be authentic, still having some vocal cord struggles, still having some tension in the vocal cord area, but you know, working with coaches, working with doctors to make sure we can get that figured out. So that's healthy for the long term. In July, I got my second stripe on my purple belt. And so, you know, some people get the blue belt blues, they get their blue belt, never train. Some people get the purple belt blues. I actually know quite a few guys that get their purple belt and then basically stop training, which if you're a purple belt, you're a certified butt kicker. And so, you know, if you don't want to train ever again, that kind of is what it is. But each stripe on the belt, it's just like, okay, we're just still going down the path. And again, it's just a dyed piece of fabric at the end of the day. So eventually when I get my brown belt and hopefully when I get my black belt, like those are just things where it's like, yeah, it's just a dyed piece of, piece of cloth. It gives you an idea of what your coaches and your teammates think about your jujitsu. So getting my second stripe was definitely a highlight. In July of this year, I did kind of, I did the physical test that I told you guys about because I heard someone talk about if you can bench press your body weight, if you can squat, back squat one and a half times your body weight, if you can deadlift twice your body weight, and run a mile in under seven minutes that you're in like the top 1% of people or whatever. So I weigh about 190, 195. And so I just did, you know, a 225 bench press, you know, for one. And I did this all in the same morning. So, and well, I, I'll go in the order I did it. So I did a 405 deadlift, no problem. I did a 315 squat, no problem. I did a 225 bench, no problem. Then I ran a mile in 555. So I just did that all back to back to back one morning. And so that was just cool. Like, I'm, I'm not saying like it to be braggy, but it's like, you know, I've worked out really, really hard and done powerlifting for a long time time and to be able to run a fast mile but also be decently strong not like you know hey I'm going to win a, a strength competition strong but that was cool just to kind of see where I'm at at the age of 37 or at that time I was 36 but in August of this year I took a trip out to Jacksonville with my entire family which 
I don't know that I would suggest doing that with a three-year-old and a one-year-old. Not sure that I would do that again, but did go out to Jacksonville, got to spend some time with Joby, actually got to meet him, Joby Martin, for the first time in person. So went to the Church of 1122 out there to the main campus, got to see him preach, got to do a little bit of hunting, got to kill two hogs. So that was the first time I had ever killed hogs and found them because, uh, and it was kind of a cool story, but that was really fun. Also in August, I went back down to Louisiana, West Monroe to hang out with the Duck Dynasty crew. So got to do that podcast, the Unashamed podcast again. In September of this year, I got to interview Vody Bauckham. So for any of you that know that, you know, I'm a huge Vody Bauckham fan and I had tried for three or four years to get him on the show and we finally made it happen. Also in September, we launched our cigars. So if you're not familiar, we have launched cigars. You can go to undaunted.life backslash cigars. And the proceeds from that go to the rescue team, which is part of the Tim Tebow Foundation. That's their arm that takes care of uh, hu- uh, human trafficking and and tries to get kids and, and people out of human trafficking and care for them. So that's really, really cool. Never thought I'd launch a cigar, but we have our very, very own cigars. Also, in October of this year, I went back to Jacksonville, and then I uh, went to Church of 1122, and then I went out to their program called Encounter. So we did that in Georgia at Southland Plantation. And so that's where we're all out there whitetail hunting. But then there's a group of a couple of dozen guys that, you know, we're doing, you know, we're fellowshipping, we're, we're doing, I guess, you know, we're doing Bible study and we're, we're doing devotionals and stuff like that in the blind and then talking about it together. But that was a really, really cool event. And then in November of this year, uh, my interview with Mark Wayne Mullen went mega, mega viral. So whenever he talked about the fact that he would bite that dude in the Senate and how he would fight him and all that, we talked about that then. Also in November, uh, the biggest buck that I've ever killed, I got that, uh, I guess, the second day that I went out. And so it was kind of an interesting thing where I was set up. You know, I'd seen a lot of deer in this particular clearing. And so I was like set up with my rifle already pointed down that, that direction. I watched this, you know, huge buck jump over the fence a couple hundred yards out, went into the woods, thought I'd never seen him again. And then he popped out and I had probably two or three seconds to evaluate if he was a shooter and take him out. Shot him. It was a shooter. Biggest buck I've ever gotten. It was great. Also in November of this year, I took a trip to Fieldcraft Survival in Utah, and that has uh, really done wonders for this show. Because of that interview with Mike Glover on the Mike Force podcast, within a few days of the release of that podcast, our show went to number two on Spotify in our category. It was in the top 150 overall on Spotify, all podcasts. So that's a a couple of million podcasts. We were in the top 150 and we also peaked at number six on Apple podcasts in the category. Our our YouTube channel has like tripled in subscribers, you know, our downloads on audio has really, really gone through the roof. And around that same time in December, I did a return trip to the blaze to go see Chad Prather. And even within the last, you know, couple of weeks, there's a, a huge Instagram account called alpha motivation. They posted a lot of clips of the interview that I did with Mike Glover and those have have really done well. One of them went over to TikTok and went kind of mega viral over there on TikTok. And so there's a lot of momentum seemingly heading into 2024. And as a pessimist, I'm like, okay, I wonder what's going to happen. Like, am I about to like lose an arm somehow? Or, you know, am I about to get really sick? You know, that's just kind of how I am. I'm always trying to prepare for the worst case scenario, but it has been a very, very incredible year. God has tremendously blessed our family. They've, uh, you know, he has bless undaunted life and the things that we're doing. And the thing is, is when you're doing any type of venture, whether it's a a startup or a new job or, you know, some sort of different change with your family, you want to see fruit immediately to be like confirmation, like, Hey, this is the path that you should be going down. And so 2023 was a great year for Undaunted Life in terms of there seems to be a proof of concept. There seems to be a market for this because, you know, two 
three years ago, whenever we kind of burned the ships and I started doing the podcast and Undaunted Life full time, it's like, okay, let's just see if the marketplace has a place for us. Because if nobody listens, if the show doesn't grow, you know, if we don't do the things that, you know, we think that we should be capable of doing, then that's the marketplace's way of telling us, yeah, we don't need you. Because if you create a product, get it to market and nobody buys it, well, that's a pretty good idea that that product wasn't needed by the market. But we've seen a tremendous uptick. And again, that Mike Glover interview is, is the biggest boon that we've ever gotten for this particular podcast because it was a whole new audience hearing me say the things that I've been saying for literally years at this point. Like I didn't say anything unique on that show that was that would be unique or sound unique to guys that have listened to me or, or read my stuff for a long time. And so we're very, very excited about what 2024 has in store for us. And I want to kind of tease a little something here for you. We have some things that we're looking to roll out in the first quarter of 2024 that's going to mega get Undaunted Life into the fight because we're here to equip men to push back darkness. We fully plan to do that. And we've been doing that for a while, but a lot of you have been like, okay, great. I've got the book list. I've read the devotionals. I listen to the podcast, but I need more. So all I can tell you, and we'll announce more when we have more to announce is more is coming. Okay. More is coming. Be patient. It's right around the corner. So every year I like to kind of look at the world of entertainment and some of those things and kind of look at, you know, what were the biggest things that kind of dominated the entertainment world? We'll talk about the sports world as well. We'll go over some noteworthy deaths that happened in this year, and then we're going to go into some actual specific news stories. So in the world of entertainment, the highest grossing movie of the year was Barbie at $1.4 billion. Super Mario Brothers movie was right behind that with $1.3 billion. And then Oppenheimer was just under a billion. I got to say, I went and saw Oppenheimer. I was mega disappointed in it. Um, you know, it was a Christopher Nolan movie, so I was very excited about that. I really was interested in the subject matter. We saw it on 70 millimeter IMAX, and it was like super bright and very grainy, almost like something was wrong with the filming. For a three-hour movie, like all the scenes were like somewhere between 30 and 90 seconds long. It was so spastic from one scene to the next scene to the next scene. And I was really disappointed. There was several gratuitous sex scenes in the movie that I just didn't think would be there because I, I don't know that I've ever seen a Christopher Nolan film with any sex in it whatsoever. It's always implied. And so that was very disappointing. But when I got to the end of the movie, I went and saw it with a couple of guys from my foxhole, uh, you know, Vinny and, and Shelby. And we were just kind of like, yeah, that kind of sucked. And then, but it, we're apparently in the minority because everyone liked it, but wasn't a huge fan of it. Now, the biggest album of the year is Did You Know by Lana Del Rey, Lana Del Rey, whoever that is. So congratulations to her. Good for you. You sold a bunch of albums this year. The biggest song of the year, which this is kind of hard to tell exactly because, you know, it's streams plus it's purchases plus it's downloads, but it looks like the song of the year for 2023 is Flowers by Miley Cyrus which is also the most popular YouTube video of the year, which is the music video for this, which I have not seen. But that's a uh, album, I think, or that's a song that I think she wrote after she got divorced or broke up with a boyfriend or something like that. And then it's like, I can buy myself flowers, you know, I can do whatever. And so this is like the single chick anthem. So it's, you know, pointing to the depravity of our culture that the single chick anthem, like I don't need a man anthem is the biggest song and YouTube video of the year, but take that for what it's worth. The most popular YouTuber of the year, and this is his fourth year in a row, is Mr. Beast. And then we're going to go into some other stuff. And since I can't find accurate stats on some of the other stuff that I normally talk about, I'm just going to give you some of my favorite things in entertainment from 2023, because it's hard to kind of gauge everything. But here's some of my favorites from 2023. My favorite album 
of 2023 is the album Take Me Back to Eden by Sleep Token. So Sleep Token is a band. I think this is their third album. Didn't even know they existed. Heard a bunch of people talking about it. And I heard a bunch of my favorite, you know, metal artists talk about how Sleep Token was their new favorite band. I wore that album out this year. It's kind of like a combination of like, you know, if a metalcore band, you know, merged with Post Malone and had like a baby that, you know, had a, a random eclectic uh, musical taste and then a musical version of that came out. That's basically what this album is. So the first time I listened to it, I just didn't get it. Second time I listened to it, I was like, holy cow, this is this is incredible. So that's a great album. My favorite song that was released in 2023 is Anthem Part 3 by Blink-182. So if you're a Blink-182 fan, uh, Mark, Tom, and Travis, that was always the setup, but Tom went off and did his own thing with Angels and Airwaves. They had a different singer for a while, but now Tom DeLong is back in Blink-182. They released a new album, and the first track off that album is just incredible. That's Anthem Part 3, but the reason why that's my favorite song of the year is because every day when I go pick up Squish and James from school, James will be like, Dad, I want to hear loud music. And what he means is like metal music, right? So typically, but the first song that we listen to every day on the way out of the parking lot is Anthem Part 3. And the boys just, they freak out. They love it. They're head banging and moving their head back and forth. And, you know, it's not, you know, the, the nicest song lyrically or whatever. And so I kind of turn it down in some of those parts or whatever. But that's just kind of a cool song because every time they hear the initial pop, pop, pop at the beginning of that song, they get excited. And so that's pretty awesome. My favorite TV show of 2023 is The Chosen. So season three of The Chosen came out this year. It was absolutely fantastic. And my favorite movie of 2023, uh, I'm going to be real honest with you. I think I only watched two movies this year that were actually from this year because I basically have no time to do, to do anything anymore. It takes me two or three days to finish a movie. So the only movies I saw were Oppenheimer and John Wick 4. And so John Wick 4 is my favorite movie of 2023. So if you have uh, other favorites that, that you have for this, put it in the show notes, or I guess you would have to put it in the comments or, you know, send me an email or whatever if I miss something. Now let's do a recap from the world of sports in 2023. So in Major League Baseball, the Texas Rangers finally won their first ever World Series. They've been around for like half a century. They finally won a World Series by beating the Arizona Diamondbacks in five games. In college football, you got to go all the way, way back in the way back machine to January of this year when Georgia beat the absolute breaks off of TCU. They beat them 65 to 7. 65 to 7 to capture back-to-back national championships. And this show is not about the college football playoff and the selection committee, but I feel like it's egregious that Georgia is not in the top four. Like, I don't have a dog in the fight. I really don't care. I just want to see good games. But you're telling me that Georgia was the number one best team going into the weekend. They lose by three to their rival Alabama in the championship game, and now they're the sixth best team in the country? How exactly does that work? Like, again, the, the committee had an impossible assignment. I think they got it right by not having Florida State in there. It didn't really matter that they were an undefeated major conference uh, championship team because they lost their superstar, and then they played two games and proved that basically they're not a very good team. And so if the standard is we need the four best teams in there, Florida State can't be in there. It makes sense for Michigan to be in there. It makes sense for, for Alabama to be in there. I guess it makes sense to have Texas in there. But honestly, you know, and I guess Washington as well, but, you know, if it were me, I probably would have put Georgia in there over Texas, but then there's a big debate who the heck cares. All right, let's move on to the Stanley Cup Finals in the NHL. The Las Vegas Golden Knights beat the Florida Panthers in five games, and there were a bunch of new 
undisputed UFC champions this year. So Jamal Hill, he became the light heavyweight champion this year uh, by beating Glover Teixeira at UFC 283 in January. Brandon Moreno at flyweight beat Davidson Figueredo. That was their fourth fight. I think uh, Brandon Moreno's taken two of those. I think they're split, but he won the flyweight title at UFC 283 in January as well. Alexa Grasso had a huge upset, upset in the women's flyweight division by beating Valentina Shevchenko at UFC 285 in March. John Jones became the heavyweight champion by destroying Cyril Ghosn at UFC 285 in March. Israel Adesanya got his middleweight title back by beating Alex Pajeda at UFC 287 in April. Alexandre Pantoja, he won the flyweight title by beating Brandon Moreno at UFC 290 in July. Sean O'Malley, he won the bantamweight title by beating Aljamain Sterling at UFC 292 in August. And then Sean Strickland, of all people, won the middleweight title by beating, just absolutely dominating Israel Adesanya at UFC 293 in September. In the world of boxing, I don't really follow boxing that closely, but the one boxing match I did watch this year was Francis Ngannou beating the crap out of Tyson Fury. (laughs) So MMA fighter Francis Ngannou, his first boxing match of his life, he goes up against the greatest heavyweight boxer of all time in Tyson Fury, and he won the fight, but he didn't get the decision. So Tyson Fury actually got dropped by Francis Ngannou in the second round, and Tyson Fury, he just looked slow. I mean, he always looks out of shape, but he looked terrible. And you could tell that when Francis would land, he's like, oh, crap, like this is going to be hard to deal with. But, you know, the boxing world, the MMA world, when it got to the decision, you kind of had a feeling that there was no way they were going to allow Tyson Fury to lose that because it sets up so many other fights for him if he wins, if he stays undefeated. But Francis Ngannou looked incredible. Now, the biggest sports story of 2023, if I had to pick one story, is Shohei Otani. Okay, for a lot of reasons, because Shohei Otani, modern day Babe Ruth, uh, if he spoke English well, and if he didn't play for an absolutely horrific team like the Los Angeles Angels, he would be the biggest story in all of sports. But in my opinion, he won his second MVP award that not in my opinion, he actually did win it. He won the second MVP award of his career. And that was even after missing the last month of the season because he blew out his elbow again. He hits free agency. And he's hitting free agency where no everyone knows he's not going to be able to pitch next year. Uh, you know, that's best case scenario with having to get a second Tommy John surgery. But then he turned around and signed the biggest sports contract in the history of North American sports. Ten years, $700 million from the Dodgers with $680 million of that deferred. And so every year for 10 years, Shohei Otani is going to get paid $2 million a year to be maybe the greatest player of all time. I mean, he doesn't have the stats to back it up right now, but he's a top five hitter and a top five to 10 pitcher. Probably top five in both. Like, we just don't really see anything like that, but they're deferring the money where he's going to get paid, you know, 68 mil a year, like after his contract is over. It's kind of a new contract. There have always been deferred contracts, but nothing of this size. The Dodgers have really allowed themselves to sign other players. It's just an incredible thing. Biggest sports story of 2023. Now, the dumbest sports story of 2023 is going to make me sound like a little bit of a hater, which that's fine. But it's when Lionel Messi signed with MLS. uh, He signed with a team in the MLS, Enter Miami. And so here's the thing. I like soccer. I used to be a much bigger soccer fan when I was playing collegiate soccer, but I've kind of fallen away. I don't really follow it very much anymore. Uh, Even though I'm not a huge fan of Lionel Messi, I think it's absolutely appropriate to call him the GOAT. He's won every individual award that you can win multiple times. He finally led Argentina to a World Cup. But people were treating the signing of him to enter Milan 
as being historic. I constantly saw people putting these things out there, talking about how historic it was. And I guess the question I have is, what is historic about a formerly elite player? Because he's, he's towards the latter end of his career. He's not the best you know, footballer on the planet anymore. He's still really, really good, but he's not elite. What is historic about a formerly elite player signing with the retirement league? I mean, because if you know anything about professional soccer, the MLS is probably not even the top five of different leagues. So, I mean, obviously there's Champions League, which includes, uh, you know, La Liga and includes uh, the English Premier League and all these other different leagues. The MLS doesn't even rank. And so he's a big star internationally. And then he does what a lot of those guys have done. They just go over to MLS, right? Like David Beckham did and, you know, a couple of other guys. I just don't see it as a historic thing, but it was like they were trying to force this down my throat. That Lionel Messi signing with Inter Miami was was this huge, enormous deal. Like we are going to be telling our grandkids someday about that one time when Lionel Messi scored a goal in a, a league that nobody watches. So I just didn't really get it. I thought it was the dumbest sports story of 2023. All right, let's do some noteworthy deaths in 2023. So retired Supreme Court Justice Sandra Day O'Connor, the first female Supreme Court Justice, uh, died at 93. Pastor Tim Keller died at 72. Actor Matthew Perry died at 54. Singer Tina Turner Tina Turner died at 83. Former U.S. Secretary of State Henry Kissinger died at 100. Motorsports icon Ken Block died at 55. The daughter of Elvis, Lisa Marie Presley, died at 54. Composer Burt Bacharach died at 94. Hall of Fame broadcaster and former St. Louis Cardinal Tim McCarver died at 81. TV show host Jerry Springer died at 79. I actually met Jerry Springer when I used to work for Major League Baseball. Dude could not have been a nicer guy. He was so nice. And quick Jerry Springer story because, you know, he has this extreme show, all these crazy people. But we had this wall that had, uh, it was kind of like an artistic way of expressing it, but it had all the World Series matchups and playoff matchups and champions from, you know, the beginning of the World Series all the way to that season, which would have been 2000 and, well, the previous season would have been 2011. So I'm giving Jerry Springer a tour around the studio, and then he sees this wall, and then he sees, oh, it's a bracket showing, you know, who competed in the World Series and who won every year. And he proceeds to turn his back to the wall, and from memory, he gave the World Series matchups and winners from like 1950 to like 1975, and then he just stopped and goes, well, you get the point. So enormous baseball fan, very, very nice guy. Obviously, I disagree with him on just about everything more morally and politically, but he passed away this year. Original poker greatest of all time, Doyle Brunson, I think he won the first two World Series of poker. He died at 89. NFL Hall of Famer and some considered to be the greatest running back of all time, Jim Brown died at 87. I think Barry Sanders is the greatest, but Jim Brown is certainly up there. The Unabomber, who is a serial killer, Ted Kaczynski, he died at 81. Pulitzer Prize winning novelist Cormac McCarthy, who wrote The Road, which I told you is now my new favorite novel of all time, died at 89. Singer Tony Bennett died at 96. Singer Sinead O'Connor died at 56. TV show legend Bob Barker died at 99. Singer Jimmy Buffett died at 76. NFL Hall of Famer and linebacker Dick Buckets died at 80. Uh, MLB knuckleballer Tim Wakefield died at 57. I got to meet him as well. Also a fantastic guy. And then legendary and infamous basketball coach Bobby Knight died at 83. 
All right, now let's get into some news stories for this year. Some of the best highlights in the, you know, if you're going to do a year in review, you need to go over some news stories. But here's some news stories that you perhaps forgotten that actually happened in 2023 because everything happens. The news story or the news cycle rather moves so fast. Let's go into some of those. On January 2nd of this year, Bills safety DeMar Hamlin actually flatlined on the field during a game and he had to be resuscitated during Monday Night Football. I talked about how crazy that was because I don't really support the NFL anymore. All the Black Lives Matter stuff they did and basically them telling me I was racist for being a white man. I'm not a huge fan of that. But for whatever reason, I had a free night uh, all week. Everyone had been talking about the matchup between the Bills and the Bengals and how it was going to be this big thing and all playoff implications and all that. And so I sit out and watch it. And really early in the first quarter, DeMar Hamlin uh, takes a hit and he basically dies right there on the field. And you could see from the players like the impact that it had like oh my gosh, did we just witness our first death on the field during an NFL game? And so that happened earlier this year. Obviously, he made a full recovery. I, I think he's back on the field now, if, if I remember correctly. So that happened on January 2nd. On January the 7th, Kevin McCarthy was elected Speaker of the House, which that didn't last for very long because of a couple of turds, Republicans that have no plan. They, they got him ousted, and then they put someone else in there who's basically doing everything that Kevin McCarthy would do. On February the 3rd, there was that train derailment in East Palestine or East Palestine, Ohio. Uh, so that was absolutely insane. And then the day a day later, the United States shoots down the Chinese spy balloon only after it crossed the entire United States and went over military bases and went around in and around where we have a lot of our nukes. And so the Biden administration, you know, they're, they're really taking care of business. They were, they were really scared about shooting this thing down over Montana, lest it, you know, fall on a moose. But yeah, let's just let a Chinese spy balloon work its way all the way across the country and then shoot it down once it's over the Atlantic Ocean. Sounds like a great plan. On February 12th, Chris Stapleton delivered the greatest performance of the national anthem of all time. So he did that before Super Bowl 57. You can miss me with that Whitney Houston stuff. You know why? Because that was pre-recorded. She didn't sing that live. Chris Stapleton just went out there with his sunglasses and his guitar and freaking smashed it. Greatest national anthem ever. On March 30th of this year, Donald Trump became the first former president to be indicted for a crime. This was the first of four indictments. This one was in Manhattan. More on that here in a second. On April the 24th, Tucker Carlson was fired from Fox News, which you want to talk about a mega backfire. So Fox News couldn't control the guy. They fire him. Their ratings take, you know, absolute tanking. And now Tucker Carlson has launched his his own network. So good for Tucker Carlson. On May 5th of this year, you may not have known this, but this was major breaking news at the time. COVID-19 was deemed by the World Health Organization which, you know, obviously it doesn't get any financial uh, incentive by making things up. You know, they finally deemed that COVID-19 was no longer a global health emergency. That's right. May 5th of 2023, the World Health Organization finally lets you know that COVID-19 is not that dangerous. It's not a global health emergency. Even though I know people personally that still wear masks everywhere they go. Yes that still get groceries from Walmart and put it in separate rooms to wait for COVID-19 to die. Even though we found out almost immediately that COVID-19 does not live on services. Thank you, CDC. Thank you, World Health Organization, for breaking people's brains. And then the day after that, we're supposed to care about this somehow, but on May 6th, Prince Charles became, became King Charles, so good for him whatever. All right. June 18th, the Titan submersible imploded near the Titanic. Man, I remember that week I was traveling 
And there was like this timeline of like, okay, they're running out of oxygen and we got to find them. We got to do all that. And then, you know, it became pretty clear when they started to find uh, wreckage and different things down there that it had actually imploded. So sad story for the people on board and their families. Then on August 8th, another sad story, the Maui wildfires. And that's one of those things where there were so many people that died. There was such utter and complete destruction of Maui and unbelievably bad performances by the local uh, uh, Democrats and the things that they did, the people that were supposed to like take care of these individuals, prepare them for these types of situations. There was failure on basically all levels. And then we just never heard about it again. I mean, again, at the time that it was happening, I'm like, give it a week, maybe two, and people aren't going to be talking about it anymore. Now, the people of Maui are certainly talking about it. There, there are people that still have not been able to get the remains of their, of their children, right? Because their children were left at home and they died. And, you know, it's just a horrible, awful situation. But that happened in August. On October the 25th, a gunman killed 19 people in a shooting spree in Maine. So you guys are obviously familiar with that. And then here recently, just, you know, not that long ago, December the 18th, Pope Francis says that priests can bless the sin of same-sex relationships. So, I want to take a quick aside on this one because I, you know, I would have done it and covered it on the quick hitters. But Pope Francis releases this document from the Vatican. And if you listen to the entirety of the mainstream media, not even the mainstream, let's let's just let's broaden it out. All liberal media, major media and all conservative major media and all, you know, purportedly moderate major media reported this the exact same. They all said that Pope Francis in the Vatican has opened the door for priests to blessed to bless same-sex couples. So those were the headlines. And then when you read the stories, it went into detail about how that's actually what happened, that it was an actual change. But when you talk to Catholics and Catholic bloggers, they're like, no, 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 nothing has changed. Y'all don't understand Catholicism. Y'all don't understand the Vatican. Y'all apparently don't understand English and can't read. That's not what happened. Pope Francis and the Vatican released a statement saying that nothing has changed. Which I don't know about you guys. I don't feel the need to make a declarative announcement that nothing has changed. Because if nothing has changed, no one needs to be notified. Like at all. And here's the thing about this story. I've had a lot of Catholics reach out. They're not happy with how I've appointed. I'm basically pointing to this story and saying, yeah, Pope Francis is a terrible person. Like he's, he's a terrible Pope. The Pope is not even a, a, a biblical uh, thing. Like that's not even a biblical office. This idea that the Pope has some sort of magic uh, power over Christians is absolutely farcical. But when you point at this story and you look at this story, you have to ask yourself, what other stories has the entirety of the, of the media apparatus, conservative, moderate, and liberal, all been on the same page? What is the motivation exactly? Because there are conservative outlets that are pro-Catholicism, pro-Christianity, that are reporting this the exact same way. Why would they do that if it wasn't accurate? So you have to ask yourself that. Also, you have to ask yourself, what is the Vatican going to do if a priest were to, I don't know, bless a same-sex union? Because one day after there was a priest, I forget his name. I, I posted it on our Instagram. There was a priest that did a blessing for a same sex, sex couple. There are these two guys, they're holding hands. This priest is giving them a blessing. So if this Pope or sorry, if this priest rather in this story went rogue 
and went outside of the doctrine, the accepted doctrine and orthopraxy of the Vatican and the Catholic Church as, you know, deemed necessary by the Pope, don't you think that they would have repudiated this priest? Don't you think that this priest would have received some sort of condemnation? Maybe even punishment, maybe even be, what is it called, like defrocked or, you know, had his priesthood taken away or something like that? But wouldn't you know it, I'm sitting here a while after that story, we haven't heard a peep from the Vatican. There's been no condemnation of this particular priest. So again, I ask you, if you're one of those Catholics that are like, hey, nothing changed, everyone's blowing up the story, you know, everyone's misunderstanding the Pope, you know, we're bad, we're, we're sinning, we're doing all these horrible things, we're being divisive, there were, we're causing schism and all that. Are we the ones doing that? Because uh, Pope Francis is basically like Andy Stanley. Okay, now Andy Stanley is a master with words, and Pope Francis seems to just, you know, pop off at the mouth. But there's not a multitude of options here. Andy Stanley and the Pope could communicate very clearly about what the Bible says, which means what God says, about homosexuality. And it's not that those people can't be prayed for. It's not that those people can't individually be blessed. But obviously, you can't bless them in the process of sinning, which is the reason why I don't go to uh if if same-sex couples invite us to go to their wedding we would never go now we would invite them over for dinner and love on them and share the gospel with them and hope that they accept the gospel and repent of their sins but we're not going to go to a ceremony celebrating their sin just like i wouldn't go to a ceremony celebrating someone's alcoholism or addiction to methamphetamines or watching porn or adultering on their wife like i wouldn't go to a ceremony celebrating that because of course but in this particular setup, Catholics have just you know, woven themselves into these pretzels, and they have to realize there's only a couple of options. Either the Pope and the Vatican collectively are the worst group on the planet when it comes to communicating clearly using the English language, or they're okay with this. They're purposely sowing confusion, seeds of confusion in people so that they will act out in this way. And as I've told you before, and I'm going to stay on this, and as I predicted literally a week before the story came out, the Vatican will eventually announce that they are fully blessing same-sex unions. They will eventually come out, maybe not during Francis's tenure, and say that they approve of same-sex marriage, and eventually there will be a female pope. And eventually there will be an LGBTQ plus affirming pope, so it'll either be a gay pope or a trans pope or a les pope or a bi pope or something like that. It's going to happen. Because that's the trajectory that this is going on, and Pope Francis is just like speeding that process up. So I know I took a little bit of a diatribe on that, but I thought it was necessary. So now I'm going to give out a couple of awards here for, well, I guess you could call them awards because we're in award season on our show, but it's just kind of like highlighted shows that are above kind of just normal list. So the most concerning news story of 2023 is Republicans trying to moderate on the abortion issue. So I've talked about this before, but Republicans and conservatives got the biggest win ever in 2022 and in the summer of that year when uh, the the Supreme Court of the United States overturned Roe v. Wade and Planned Planned Parenthood v. Casey. Okay, and then we're all excited. You know, this is great. And then immediately within about a, a day. People are like, we really shouldn't be excited. You know, this is dunking on people and and we shouldn't really be excited about the fact that, you know, uh, perhaps more babies are going to be saved from being sucked into a trash can through a vacuum tube. We shouldn't be excited about that. We need to understand the plight of blah, blah. That's basically what we started to get. But then there were all these state elections and different laws in different states like Kansas and Ohio and these places that you thought would be bastions of, of pro-lifeism. 
And that's not what happened. Like they didn't go the pro-life way. It went the pro-choice way, otherwise known as the pro-abortion way. The pro-abortion lobby, which is the Democratic Party and Planned Parenthood and all the different people that helped them, they spent tens of millions of dollars during these local elections to lie to the populace and tell them things about the abortion proceedings in their state that are not true. So like if a woman had a tubal pregnancy, meaning that she has an ectopic pregnancy, it's a a risk to her life. The baby is essentially already dead. It's in pieces in the fallopian tube. They're telling you in these states that, oh, those women, they're not going to be able to get treatment for that because of those dirty, rotten pro-lifers, those Christians, those conservatives. They spent all this money lying to the populace. The populace took it hook, line, and sinker, and they voted against these different things that would have uh, really put extreme limitations on abortion in a lot of these different states. And so, as I've talked about before, Republicans took the exact wrong opinion on these signs and said, you know what we need to do? We should really moderate on the abortion issue. We should find a third way. And as I've told you about this on all these incendiary topics, there is no third way approach on something like abortion. Because these are either living human beings worthy of our protection, or they're meaningless clumps of cells that there is no moral uh, violation if you kill them, right? Well, they wouldn't even say that they're alive. uh, But, uh, you know, if you basically suck them out of the woman and dispose of them, that there's no issue. Those are the two options. There is no middle ground. Because if someone's like, yeah, I'm not really okay with like, you know, a third trimester abortion, but yeah, first trimester, it makes a whole lot of sense. Why? Why? What is different about the baby or about the fetus, whatever you want to call it, at 10 weeks gestation and 38 weeks gestation? Only their level of development. Because that same argument can be made for a six-month-old outside the womb, for a 16-year-old, for a 70-year-old. It's just their stage of development. This all comes down to stage of development and geographical location. It just so happens to be developing inside of the woman, and you think that it's okay to kill that. And so for Republicans to try to moderate on this issue, they're moderating so that they can try to win elections. But at some point, someone's going to have to stand up and be the moral police and say, no, we're not going to moderate on this because people are dying. Literally, the most innocent of innocents are being murdered and slaughtered at alarming rates. So that's the most concerning story of 2023 for me. Now, the most insane news story of 2023 is conservatives finally taking a clear W in the culture wars and then softening on it. So what I'm talking about is the Bud Light boycott. So earlier this year, Bud Light sends custom cans to Dylan Mulvaney, which is a guy who's made a boatload of money pretending to be a woman, you know, his first year as a woman and all these different things. And so they send them these custom cans and then, you know, Kid Rock, you know, finds out and Tucker Carlson finds out and all these people find out. And then there is a boycott of Bud Light and what conservatives did by not drinking Bud Light, which I've never had it. If that's your drink of choice, good for you. But what they did is they said, you know what? No more. We're not going to buy this. We can buy Modelo, which I think became the number one uh, selling beer brand of the year. You know, we can buy Bush Light. We can buy Miller Light. We can buy something, some other terrible light beer. We can do that. But then now we're seeing like this month, we're seeing people even like Kid Rock softening on it, being like, okay, you know, they've had enough. But the thing is, is what Bud Light and what Anheuser-Busch communicated to you is that they hate you and your values. So by supporting Dylan Mulvaney and this idea that a, a man can become a woman just if they think it's so, and if they get some cheekbone lifting implants, and if they, you know, start growing their hair out and painting their nails, they're communicating something to you. 
And so I talk about this all the time, and I'll certainly talk about this more in the ways to avoid being a crappy man in 2024 episode. But it's like, when are y'all going to draw a line and have some standards? You just give your money to these organizations that hate you. Target is trying to, they're selling satanic and LGBTQ stuff directly in their stores, but you really like uh, their selection and how convenient their grocery system is or whatever. And so you just keep shopping at Target. You know, Netflix has, you know, Cocoa Melon and things like that, showing two gay dads watching their uh, baby son uh, dress up as a girl and dance around for their enjoyment. Uh, and then they have the cuties video or uh, or movie where it shows these little girls dancing for the pedophilic fetishes of other men. And you're like, yeah, but I really like Netflix. I like binge watching shows. So you keep giving them your money. Disney has men wearing uh, wearing dresses and with full beards, you know, walking around like they're Disney princesses. And there's all these uh, different signs that Disney is like infusing LGBTQ indoctrination into their kids content. And you keep going to Disneyland and Disney World. And you have a Disney Plus subscription. So I don't understand conservatives. They love to hoot and holler and scream and say, you know what? We're not going to take it and we're going to do whatever until it becomes inconvenient. Or until you, you can't find something that's more entertaining or more aligning with your values. You don't even look that hard. and You just kind of blindly keep going through it. It's an insane news story for me. So again, I was never a consumer of Bud Light. So there is no boycott for me because it's just a continuation of my lifetime boycott of terrible drinks like light beer. But that's just a very, very insane story for me that conservatives are basically taking a W and turning it into an L. All right. Now we're going to go to the most ignored news story of 2023. And that is, well, actually, I'll go back to last year. So for 2022, I said my most ignored news story was 5 million plus illegal border crossings since Joe Biden took office. Now we are at an estimated 8 million people that have crossed illegally into the United States. And that includes droves of people that would love nothing more than to kill a bunch of Americans. Okay. So 8 million, I think the breakdown is 6 million people that did not come to ports of entry and then 2 million illegals that did come to ports of entry. But I literally looked this up today. I'm like, okay, 8 million people. We're going to have to put that in perspective. Okay. So I'm going to, what I did is I looked up the, um, Actually, let me look. So pause in here. I sent the link to myself, I think, because I looked at the population stats. So, all right, here we go. Here are the population stats of states in the United States. Okay. Here are the number of states that do not have as much of a population as the number of illegal migrants that we know have ended up in the country since Joe Biden took over as president. So in three years, this number of people have illegally come into the country and they are still here. Okay. So that is more people than the populations of Washington State, Arizona, Tennessee, Massachusetts, Indiana, Missouri, Maryland, Wisconsin, Colorado, Minnesota, South Carolina, Alabama, Louisiana, Kentucky, Oregon, Oklahoma, Connecticut, Utah, Nevada, Iowa, Arkansas, Kansas, Mississippi, New Mexico, Idaho, Nebraska, West Virginia, Hawaii, New Hampshire, Maine, Montana, Rhode Island, Delaware, South Dakota, North Dakota, Alaska, Vermont, Wyoming. And for good measure, Puerto Rico and District of Columbia. Just think about that. Eight million people are here in this country illegally. Many of them are terrorists. A lot of them are criminals. Some of them are people that obviously just want to be here to to have a, a chance at a better life. But these are people that have cut the line, come here illegally, and the Joe Biden administration is all here for it. 
Now, I'm saying that's the most ignored news story, which you might think, well, Kyle, I hear about this all the time. It's most ignored because we are not doing anything about it. Because, yes, there have been stories about blue state Democrats, uh, governors of those states freaking out that, you know, the governor of Florida and the governor of Texas is like shipping these people directly to them in New York and California and Chicago and those different places. Yeah, we've seen those stories. Yeah, we've seen the videos and the pictures of people at Eagle Pass and things like that and just literally walking across with our Border Patrol agents just standing there. We've seen those stories, but what's being done about it? Nothing. Alejandro Mayorkas, who is in charge of doing that, uh, is basically like, yeah, the border's secure, which makes me think they don't understand what that word means because secure means secure, which means that people can't just literally walk across it with their backpack in tow, right? And again, we're not going to get into a big, long debate about, you know, how we're to take care of that. But the reason why the Biden administration is not doing anything about it is obvious, is it not? It's super obvious. Because what they want to do is they want to let millions and millions and millions of people into this country over years and years and potentially decades because they know that eventually Republicans, weak need Republicans, will cave and give all of them blanket amnesty. <clears throat> and if you give all those people blanket amnesty, you're also going to give them the right to vote. And if you're the administration that let them in the country and let them stay here and didn't get rid of them, who do you think they're going to vote for in elections? That's exactly what's happening here. So it's not like replacement theory and all these different things and all this like, oh, it's white supremacy. No, it's, it's just math. <clears throat> because you have to make sure that in the long term, the electorate is going to do what you want them to do. And so you're going to keep incentivizing them. They're going to say, not only are we going to let you come into this country just by walking across the border. Not only are we not going to demand that you assimilate into our culture and even learn our language, but we're also going to support you. We're going to give you all this money. We're going to give you all of these, these goodies. We're going to give you cell phones. We're going to give you free education. We're going to give you free health care. And if the Democratic Party does that for you, who do you think you're going to vote for? It's obvious. And I, I would be shocked if that also wasn't the most ignored news story of 2024, because certainly it's not going to stop next year. Now we need to talk about the most talked about news story of 2023. And so it's a bunch of stories in one, and that's Trump being indicted four times. So he's been indicted in New York, D.C., Florida, and Georgia. And that's really going to dominate the news cycle for 2024, which we'll talk about here in a second. So I'll save some of my commentary for then. So that's the most talked about news story of 2023. Now, the biggest news story of 2023 is, is the Hamas terrorist attacks on Israel on 10-7. Obviously, there's not even a close second. Again, I did an entire episode on that where I broke down some of the things that have happened. And again, part of the reason why I went into such detail and the depraved things that happened on the murders and the rapes and, and the tortures and different things is because I knew within about two weeks there were going to be people saying, why is Israel being so mean to Hamas? You know, Hamas, they're the victims. They live in an open-air prison. What were they supposed to do? All these types of things that are basically like tut-tutting and saying, yeah, you know, who could blame them? Who could blame them for holding little girls down and raping them so violently that they break their pelvises? I mean, eh, you know, because Israel's mean. So things like that are okay, right? But that's the biggest news story of 2023, and I have some more commentary on that as I talk about 2024, so we'll skip that. But on a little bit of a lighter note, we need to talk about the biggest news person of 2023, and that's Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift was everywhere this year. You couldn't escape her. So I think she was the Time Magazine person of the year, and people were like, oh, you know, you should go to somebody else. But Taylor Swift, Taylor Swift this year. Uh, had like some of the best-selling albums. I think she like re-recorded some of her old albums or something because she couldn't get the the rights to the music back or something like that. She launched the Eras Tour, 
which I think is the highest grossing tour of all time for, for anybody. She didn't, I think she released a movie this year that did really, really well. Uh, the NFL couldn't even uh, be uh, kept out of the whole Taylor Swift thing because she started da- dating Travis Kelsey, the tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs. And so that was all over the place, so much so that, like I saw yesterday as I was uh, scrolling through Fox News on Instagram, they said, Taylor Swift looks to say a curse word after Travis Kelsey is pushed in the end zone. It's like, Fox News? Is this news? Is this breaking news that I need to see that's going to help me be a more informed citizen? So, it didn't matter where you went. It didn't matter if you were hiding in the uh, political world or in the entertainment world or in the sports world. Taylor Swift dominated this year. So, hey, Swifties, good for you guys. But now before we get out of here today, I want to talk about the likely big news stories that we can expect in 2024. I guess you can look at these as predictions. And so obviously all of 2024 is going to be about the general election for president. So many will say on both sides, really, that democracy and the future of the country is at stake. And this will be potentially the last election that we ever have. And none of that's true. So as the Trump people say that, and as the Biden people say that, just ignore it. But it's going to be Trump, 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 everything Trump. That's basically what we're looking at because Donald Trump will win the Republican nomination. Ron DeSantis, unfortunately, is not going to overtake him. Uh, Nikki Haley, eh, kind of mild on her. She's not going to overtake it. It's going to be Trump. He has a historic lead that's not going anywhere. I will also tell you and predict that Trump will certainly be found guilty and sentenced to prison time on at least one of the four indictments that he has coming. Right. Most of them are va- basically vacuous, but the um, the uh, what is it, the top top secret documents thing in Florida, that's the one where he actually you could see he clearly did wrong. But basically what Donald Trump being found guilty and given a prison sentence is going to do is it's going to throw the United States into an unprecedented constitutional and security crisis because you can't just let the president go into general population inside a president or sorry, the former president. You can't let him go into a general population of a prison. That'll never happen. The Secret Service just can't let that happen. But let's just suspend belief here and say that he wins the election. He can't rule the country from prison. So there's going to be some major constitutional crises coming. But, you know, as same as last year, we're going to be seeing this continued cognitive decline of co-president Biden. I say co-president because he's basically not really the president. He's essentially the figurehead at this point. But I'll say this, and I'm sticking by this uh, particular prediction, Joe Biden, if alive, will be the Democratic nominee for president. And if he goes against Donald Trump, which, you know, is 99.9999% possible and likely at this point, he's going to win re-election, guys. He's just going to win it. And everyone keeps talking to me right now, but Kyle, look at the polls. Joe Biden's terrible in the polls and Trump's up in all the polls. And every time something bad happens for Trump, his poll numbers go up and he's polling well in all the swing states. Yes. And it's a year before the election. Don't you think the mainstream media knows that? Part of the reason why I think the mainstream media is pushing all these narratives that are helping Trump right now is because they desperately want him to be the nominee. Because they know that if DeSantis is the Republican nominee, that he beats Joe Biden running away. If Nikki Haley is the nominee, even a turd like Vivek Ramaswamy, who's just, I don't know, I just don't believe anything that guy says. Those people beat Joe Biden because Joe Biden is a dead person. But Joe Biden is probably the second least popular president of all time, only behind Donald Trump. And you may like them, but again, you get one vote. Your vote only counts for one. And so these morons are just like, oh, I've, I've been told reliably by CNN that Donald Trump's a racist and that if he becomes elected, he's going to become a dictator. So check, they're going to go for Joe Biden. But the thing about this is I hope I'm wrong. I hope a Republican wins the presidential, uh, presidential race. I hope it's not Donald Trump, but it's uh, for all intents and purposes, he will be the representative. 
the horrible thing that we are going to see next November is that we are going to see riots either way, no matter who wins the election, which is awful because we expect leftists to do it. Because I remember being in Austin, Texas during the general election in 2020, and they were boarding up all the businesses in downtown Austin. And they weren't boarding it up because of what they thought Trump supporters were going to do if Trump lost, but obviously because of what Biden supporters were going to do if Biden lost. But now, as we've seen, Trumpers are going to freak out as well. Again, think what you want about January 6th, but it actually happened. There were morons there that day that actually thought that they were going to overturn the election. Again, I don't think Trump, you know, is responsible for, you know, a planned invasion of the Capitol that day. I think there's no evidence to support that whatsoever. But there were people there that day that thought they were doing his bidding, certainly. But the reason why I think we're going to see riots no matter what is because if you think that this election is legitimately stolen, the 2024 election, which both sides have proven that they can be easily swayed to believe that because Democrats believe that in 2016, Russian collusion, Republicans believe that in 2020 because of, you know, things that they can't even prove in court. But if people feel like the result of the 2024 election is fraudulent, they will feel justified justified in a violent overthrow of the election results. So the, the burning, the looting, the violence, I think it's going to come from either side, regardless of what happens. Because we, again, I hate saying things that seem hyperbolic and, you know, uh, tangential only to what we're seeing now in current society. But this is going to be the ugliest presidential election of all time. It's not even going to be, it's not even going to, we won't even recognize it when comparing it to 2016 or 2020 because of what the Biden administration and what the DOJ is doing to Trump, what these attorneys general are doing to Trump, all of these, these things like the state of Colorado saying that they're not going to allow Trump on the ballot, which is not going to be upheld. But, you know, all these things that are happening, it's only going to make Trumpers mad. And if Trump does somehow win the Electoral College, I mean, it's it's going to make George Floyd summer look like a, I don't know, look like a picnic, I guess. So that's something we can look forward to for 2024. But also some other things that I think are going to be potentially on the horizon for next year. There is going to be a continued well-planned invasion of the United States by illegal migrants, illegal immigrants. That's going to happen. Uh, and that's what I said last year as well. The same as my 2022 prediction, because this is a well-planned invasion. This is exactly what's happening. If you are a terrorist, and we've seen this because we've caught hundreds of them at this point. If you're a known terrorist, why in the world are you going to try to get into the United States via, uh, you know, LAX or the Atlanta airport or something? Like, why would you do that? Just go to Central America and make your way through to the United States through the southern border because it's completely porous. Also, I hope I'm wrong about this, but I do think that we will see a major terrorist attack on American soil. Because, again, there are people here whose express purpose is to kill Americans. And these will be Muslim fundamentalist terrorists, obviously, but these are people there are already sleeper cells in America that haven't done anything yet, but they're gathering resources and people so that they can kill Americans. That's certainly something that could happen. I certainly hope it doesn't, but I wouldn't be surprised. Also, Ukraine will continue to get boatloads of money from American taxpayers to fight Russia, but the, the war will remain unwon by either side for the entire year. This war is basically a stalemate. We basically have all this money being thrown into trench warfare and the, the battle lines are not moving at all. And there's no indication that that will change next year. Also, I think that we as a country are going to move closer to war with Iran because obviously we see the Houthis in Yemen that are causing all these problems with the shipping lanes. They are financed by Iran. We have Hamas, which is financed by Iran. We have Hezbollah to the north of Israel that's financed by Iran. And so 
uh, there are a lot of people that would say that we're at war with Iran now, but we're, we're pussyfooting with them because like these Houthis in Yemen, these pirates on like inflatable boats with like drones that they bought off of Amazon or whatever the equivalent is in the Middle East. You're telling me the United States Navy and Air Force and Marines and Army can't take those people out? I mean, you don't even need many of those branches. You basically just need one of them to kill every single one of those pirates. And we're not doing it because we don't have the stones to. So we're moving closer to war with Iran because we don't want to seem, you know, like we're uh, enticing them to, to be, you know, negative towards us or whatever. Also, I think that we will see Israel eradicate Hamas. So I know there's a lot of pressure on Israel right now to not give in and, or sorry, to give in rather, to capitulate, to do a ceasefire, to stop being so mean to those Hamas terrorists that like, you know, chopped off the heads and and burned alive 1,200 of their people. But I think that Israel is just going to keep going. And I pray that they do. I pray that, again, as I told you, we should pray for every single Hamas terrorist to repent and turn to Christ. And if they don't, we should pray that they should all be killed quickly. Not just captured, but killed quickly by the Israel Defense Forces. I think that should absolutely happen. But I hope and I really do think that Israel is just and Bibi Netanyahu are just going to continue to push until they completely dismantle Hamas. Now, the problem is, is they can't dismantle uh, the fundamentalist bend of Islam that goes towards jihad. Because that is so deeply ingrained in Muslims that it can't be eradicated, no matter how many of them you kill, honestly. Now we need to go to the next one. Here, our next prediction is I think that the Federal Reserve is going to continue to increase interest rates by, uh, and they're going to do that in order to try to stabilize the economy long enough for Joe Biden to win re-election. Because obviously, if the economy is in the tank, people typically blame the party that's in power, whether that's indicative of whose fault it is or not. That's something that they're basically going to try and do. but. I think that there are some people that are, have really, really dire predictions about the economy. There are people that think that our economy could suffer complete and total collapse, complete and total collapse. I certainly hope that that doesn't happen, but I think at a minimum, the Federal Reserve is going to try to prop up Joe Biden. And then going back to Taylor Swift a little bit, I know this is going to be gut-wrenching for some of you to hear, and I, I hate to be the one to be the bearer of bad news, but I think in 2024, we are going to see tra- Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey break up. I know I'm getting choked up even thinking about it because when I think about the classic couples of the entirety of human existence, right? Tristan and Isolde and Romeo and Juliet, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. I just can't imagine how this doesn't end up in matrimony and a bunch of perfect children. But sorry to say for all you Kansas City Chiefs fans and all you Swifties, uh, relationships just not going to last. But guys, the last thing I'll say to you before we sign off for the year and basically, uh, you know, welcome you into 2024 is regardless of what happens uh, between now and then, regardless of what stories happen in 2024, God is still in charge. He's still in control, fellas. So I'm, I'm the guy that likes pointing towards the negative stuff. I'm here to equip men to push back darkness. You can't do that unless you embrace and watch the darkness, right? If you can't see the darkness, you don't know what you're pushing back against. But even with all that in mind, God's in charge. His will will be done. And guys, every knee certainly will bow. All right, before we let you go, we are going to do a quick resilience boost at Undaunted Life. Our mission is equipping men to push back darkness with content that forges spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. So we've got our donation link there for you guys. Again, end of year given, keep us in mind. And then also links to Origin, Jocko Fuel, and Primal so that you can support them while supporting us. 
Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. Wherever you're listening to this, please subscribe, rate, and leave us a positive five-star review. If you want me to come speak live at your event or on your podcast, just shoot me an email to info at undaunted.life. That's I-N-F-O at undaunted.life. Follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook and check out our website for everything else, including how to donate to keep more content like this coming your way. Just go to www.undaunted.life. And also, we want to thank the band Holy Name for allowing us to use their music for our content. The music on this podcast is their song Perpetual which is off their self-titled debut album on Face Down Records. The links are in the description. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Remember, keep pushing back darkness, keep forging spiritual, mental, and physical resilience, keep seeking the Lion of Judah.